Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Good morning, my friends. Uh, I want to acknowledge the fact that today marks one week shy of seven months since we went into lockdown because of the coronavirus. Crazy, huh? Wow. I got You know, speaking of heavy, I've got another heavy question for you. Um, If you were dying and wanted to communicate what you valued as the most important thing in life, who would you communicate that to? And what would you say? And we'll circle back to that later, and I'll let you just stew on that one for a bit as we talk about uh, Timothy, the book of Timothy. Um, Well, Paul decided that he was going to choose Timothy to write this letter to. This was the last letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote. And who was this guy, Timothy, anyway? You know, I think about that when I think, I usually think about the one who's writing it, right? But I don't think so much about the one he's writing it to. Who's that? So um, Paul chooses Timothy to write this too, and uh, Timothy was like a son to Paul. He, um, in Acts chapter 16, that's where Paul first met Timothy. He went to Derby and then to Lystra, I'm reading from there now, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. I wonder if that's something that you want known about yourself as Timothy. You were circumcised, and it's in the Bible. Um, Be that as it may, uh, then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, and that's found in Acts chapter 15. And then it says, So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So Timothy was a major factor in God's plan to spread the good news of Jesus in those early years. And Timothy's name appears as the co-author of on 2 Corinthians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. And Timothy was at actually pastoring the Ephesian church in 64 AD and probably into the time, and I would assume so, that Paul wrote him this letter because this letter was written around 65 to maybe 67 AD. And uh, Paul was uh, imprisoned in Rome twice. Once was under house arrest, kind of like us with COVID, uh, where people could actually come and go if they dared to. Um, uh, But the the second imprisonment was one under more close confinement because he writes about this guy, Onesiphorus, who couldn't even find him. He was in prison and he was searching for him night and day to try and figure out where he was. So Paul was like in a, uh, in a dark place here and in a place that nobody knew. Um, and if you think about it, Paul wrote most of his letters from prison. So when you're going through difficult times and your most difficult time, remember that others need you and need to hear from you even in that time, because probably the greatest impact that the apostle Paul has ever made 
on us today is because he wrote these letters when he was under duress in a difficult situation, right? So don't poo-poo that. Um, so this, this situation was not going to get any better for Paul. Um, he saw that his death was at hand. He says in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, he talks about, uh, I'm being poured out. I know it's going to come. It's happening right now. So he called for his friend who had walked with him all these years when he was in his darkest hour. And so he writes this. And one of the things that I think about here is this scripture that's up on the screen now is um, when Paul is communicating to Timothy, uh, these are the things that I want you to know. And, and sometimes you think about it, and, and I've heard it taught often, that he's just telling him certain things as a pastor, right? But you've got to understand that Timothy was his friend. They were close. He was his disciple. He's the guy that uh, Paul, Paul was spent his energy and his time with Timothy. And he said, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard that precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And so what I see in that there are three ways that I see that this is played out in Paul's letter to Timothy. The first is the value of your heritage. Don't dismiss out of hand what you've been taught. Uh, in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it lives in you also. Uh, when when we come from a place that uh, that maybe our folks knew the Lord or maybe they didn't, maybe we learned some um, good habits and maybe we learned some bad ones, but never underestimate those things that you might have learned as a result of being with those that cared about you as you were growing up. Uh, before we uh, started today, we were talking amongst ourselves about the grounding of LBCF over the years and how even the building that we can't meet in right now um, was founded by people who aren't at our church anymore, whether they left or they were uh, they passed on or whatever, but, but they invested in this place so that we might have a place to go and to be and to worship together because they understood they had a place to worship and be with God and learn about God. So uh, those are some things you can never uh, underestimate their influence on you. I think about, I've told stories about my dad and how I believe he was the best man I've ever known. Um, my parents certainly had issues, you know, in, in life. It's just you get them, right? You, you have issues in life. But one thing I understood from them was that they helped um, to, and it helped me to be solidified in my soul, was when I first trusted Jesus, I knew because of their actions that he would never leave me nor forsake me. They taught that not with words, but with consistent actions. Even in my worst, even in my worst state, I don't recall even feeling like Jesus ever left me. And I can't really explain it, except that I learned from them, and it was implanted into my soul. 
there was a time like uh, on Sunday afternoons when we were growing up, we would drive, you know, we would have a Sunday drive and it wasn't every Sunday, but we did it relatively often or else I probably wouldn't have remembered. Um, and sometimes we'd drive to a cemetery, which I find, you know, like strange, right? I don't, I don't know that I would take my kids to go to the cemetery, you know. Um, but my mom and dad were from a generation that was very reflective of the prior generation and taught us to be that way as well. And uh, I never really understood their fascination about it until one time when Teresa and I were working through some major difficulties together and I went and visited my dad's grave just to reflect on what he might do and what advice he might give me. And it, it greatly helped me because it made me realize that I just don't live for myself. Um, I mean, I do, right, often, and not that I'm proud of it, but I do. Um, but what he was saying, you know, what I, I got out of that experience was that this is about more than just you. And that's what that generational thing is, right? It's more than just about you. So you have no idea what that one act and sometimes that one word can do to build up or tear down when you think, um, you know, what you think and what you can do can have and will have reverberations all throughout all generations. So number two, uh, the second thing is remain faithful to the scriptures. He tells Timothy to study them in chapter two, verse 15, in order to get clear on what's good and right. This is very, very practical. Many have strayed from their original grounding in the faith and sometimes because our it's because our own practices were not lined up with what the Bible teaches, right? And sometimes it's because of the pattern of how each successive generation normally challenges the morals and the views and the perspectives of the previous generation, right? And sometimes it's something else altogether. But here's why Paul said you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. He said, because you know they're true, because you know those, <laughs> you know you can trust those who taught you. And you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you wisdom to even receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. All Scripture is given by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I've always thought that the Bible was uh, not just about um, learning things, but it was about putting things into practice, right? Applying. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, I don't have it on the slides, but it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's like this, right? You have one of these and you're walking, you're walking through the house at night and you're tripping over things. Well, you turn on the flashlight on your phone for these reasons. You're walking in the dark. It shows you what you're about to step on and what the clear path is. That's what God's word is. Not, that's not what God's word is like. That's what it is. Um, and it wasn't simply given to us to simply increase our knowledge, but for us to know the author. 
That's why, from my perspective, you don't have to be particularly smart to understand the Bible. You don't have to have a high education, right? You don't have to um, have to have had much schooling. But you do have to want the author in order to understand clearly and get his heart. Um, you probably only have to have an elementary level of understanding to get most of what the Bible teaches, but because it's very clear. Our lives are more complicated today than they ever have been, so sometimes we make the Bible try to keep up with our complexity, making it complex. Rarely is it that. I'm saying that often it's the very things that ground us that are the things we fight against, and I know that well. And it's rarely the difficult passages that challenge me but the ones that are the most plain. And the way we need to be with his word is, you know, I, I ran across this example in the, uh, as a nugget in one of those uh, Codrite emails. I don't know if you guys get those, but it goes out every other week. Who writes those things anyway? But the, an ambassador, it says here, an, an ambassador in his provisional claims knows that his understanding of truth is fallible. He won't press a point beyond what his evidence allows. That's a quote from Greg Kokel, who is uh, kind of a leader of a ministry called Stand to Reason. Um, but there's another little tidbit that I found there, and it said, no one likes to know it all. It never brings life to the one who knows it all, nor does it bring life to the receivers of that knowledge. But an ambassador holds the truth loosely in his hands. Not because it's not true, but precisely because it is true. And that's true humility. Let's look at the next thing. 2 Timothy 4, uh, 9 through 13, Paul says, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone on to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak, bring my, bring my coat that I left with carpets of Troas and my scrolls and especially the parchments. I don't know if you hear it in that, but I certainly hear the loneliness that Paul's experiencing. Come on, come quick. <laughs> I don't know how much more of this I can stand. And just before this verse, he's talking about the day of his death is uh, preeminent. You know, it's right in his face. It's coming. And, and we can't do life alone. Uh, Paul asked Timothy to come to him. He says, come bring all this stuff, please. You got to know that we are the cure for each other's loneliness. Because we can't do life alone. I got a call from a friend one time telling me, hey, man, I'm really lonely and, and it's all during this COVID time, right? And let's get together. And uh, and so we did and we socially distanced and all of that. But kudos to my friend who chose the difficult path in order to have what he needed in the company of another friend. Um, I have extremely amazing, wonderful friends and that are available pretty much whenever I need them. And um, you know, some of those that uh, are on this uh, screen that you'll see all throughout the day are, are really good friends of mine. And um, 
I couldn't do life without him as well as like Steve who helps me with my message every time I, I preach. So I appreciate him. And then of course, Pastor JC and Pastor Barb, who are always there uh, contributing to uh, our success as a church and as uh, as ministry. Um, and I'm grateful for that. So here's a reminder of what Paul's last words to Timothy and us are. You know, it's pretty much coincide with what I might say in a letter as well. And, and to look into the fact that we need to hold on to the pattern of that wholesome teaching that you learned from me and a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us and carefully guard that precious truth that was entrusted to you. Remember where you've come from. Don't poo-poo the good things you were taught. Those that have invested in you and shared the things that they have with you, care about you. And that's why they have shared that with you. Value the scriptures because they teach us about its author. You know, there's many things that you can learn through creation, through other things like that, but there's nothing like the word, nothing like the scripture. It brings life, it brings tangibility to the author of this book look through it to see who's writing it and it's the author of all things and third we can't do life alone we we needed one another so back to our original question if you knew you were dying wanted to communicate what you valued as the most important things in life who would you communicate that to and what would you say um, this week, I want to challenge you to think about that and who you write to and what you would say to them and then do it. I know letter writing is old school. I'm kind of an old school guy, but uh, try it this week and see what that does for the receiver as well as yourself. Let's pray together. Jesus. There is so much that we have heard today, so much that we're grateful for, those that have come before, the things that are found in your word, our friends. We're very grateful to you for providing all of those things. We couldn't do it without you telling us these things. And may we reiterate those to all those around us that we may give them life and hope and encouragement to trust in Jesus. Be together with one another and don't forget your heritage. May you be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.